Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Before we get into today's topic with today's guest, Mark Graham is here to join me to talk about Skew University on January 15th from 845 to 1150 at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in Ballroom L on the second level. We will have Skew University. Mark, what is Skew University? Why did you create it? What's its purpose? So we created Skew University to give people a place where they could learn more about the application in a hands-on way at Expo. We knew that people were hungry for information about Common SKU, the application. So we have created this environment where we go and talk about all the features that distributors use to run their business. And we also give them a roadmap in terms of what's coming down the pipe. And then we also have a session for suppliers because, of course, suppliers use Common SKU as well to engage with distributors and grow their business with the distributors on the platform as well. So we thought by creating this setting where distributors and suppliers could come together, peek under the hood inside the application and learn more about it was a really good use of people's time in the morning. Let me break that down a little bit. The event kicks off at 845 from 9 o'clock to 950. 10 ways suppliers grow sales on CommonSkew, a presentation by you and Samantha Cates. At 10 o'clock to 10.50, Catherine Graham presents how CRM helps distributors ignite sales and retain customers. From 11 o'clock to 11.50, Catherine Graham and Aaron Kucherway will present hacks, new features, and the road ahead. So it's a quick, easy morning, and CommonSkew University is free to attend. You can register at commonskew.com university. Traditionally in the industry, if you're all sort of selling from the same reservoir of items and, and the same goods, you have to out-compete people on price or service. If you can come up with unique ideas and curate the right things, that's going to set you apart. Ted Church of Anthem Branding is an imaginative leader in our world of promotional merchandising, whose goal is to rid the world of bland and boring promotional products and apparel. He believes that every single brand can be a powerful, tactile experience. Ethos, design thinking, color story, live the experience, live the brand, building emotional connections. These are words and phrases that are natural to Ted and his team. With over 2,200 clients and 600 active projects any given moment, they approach the ideation process for a client in a unique way. And in this episode, Ted breaks down this process, helping us understand how we can approach our clients with agency-based thinking and develop a problem-solving intuition through a process. Ted's episode is from our SKU Camp event in Palm Springs, California, where Ted delivered his session, How to Build Authentic Brand Experiences for Lasting Connections. Suggestion. This is is an excellent episode to share with your team. Even if you listen to the audio only, the episode is full of insights, but we recommend you download the PDF from Ted's presentation. You can find it at community.commonskew.com. Just look for Ted's episode on building brand experiences. The episode kicks off right as Ted begins to break down their process. And now from Skew Camp, Ted Church. And how do we do that? So we have a design process and we ask a ton of questions about how to translate the ethos of a brand and what makes a brand special onto a collection of goods. Our process is a lot of research. It all stems from communication first. So we do take a, a partnership collaborative approach with our clients. Some like to get really involved. Some are like, 
here's our budget, what should we do? But we really want to do a lot of research on what's the history of the brand, what makes the brand special, what does a competitive landscape look like, who are, what story are you telling and how are you going to set yourself apart? And what sort of inspiration can we draw that maybe can influence and inform some of the decisions and some of the, the curation that we do for product? And then we have our creative team, we, do, we kind of set a creative direction, and then we sort of start generating ideas that we can execute. Sketching, mood boarding, and then we work on our layout, we share it with the client, we go back and forth, we walk them through our thinking, and towards the, you know, the best goal solutions, we go back and do revisions, and then we you know, execute on the order. So that's sort of our process, get into artwork, we get into proofing our production, our delivery, standard stuff there. I thought that we'd share this too. This is something that's available on our website. How do you create a premium brand and what's a checklist look like? So one is you have to really understand, you know, you got to know the brand inside and out. So we do a lot of educating. Our team does a lot of deep diving to find out what's this brand all about? What, who are the key stakeholders? You know, what is it that makes this brand special? What are the goals of the project? What are you trying to, and a lot of people kind of, this was covered yesterday and I thought it was really appropriate. What are you trying to achieve? What type of messaging? What type of emotion are you trying to get across? And what are the goals? And what defines success? And then what's the target audience? What's the persona? Who's receiving this? Is it C-suite? Is it a millennial crowd? Is it an action sports crowd? And what sort of relevant ideas and, and items are going to really resonate with that crowd? Catalog, just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks is just not a great approach, especially when you have to make the client do the work. And then obviously you need to know the budget. So when we go into this thing, one of the things I tell our team is 3D Y is a great heuristic to remember. And it's draw a Y on a piece of paper and 3Ds. So 3D Y is who's the decision maker? So are you dealing with the decision maker? Or are you dealing with somebody that has to go back to a committee or their boss? Or, you know, so who really is making the decision? Do they have the dough? Do they have the budget to, to execute on a and do you understand what that budget is so you can curate and suggest the right items? What's the deadline? And then do you know why they're doing what they're doing and what, what they're asking for? And if you can answer all of those questions, then you can kind of begin the process of curating the right experience. So that's kind of how we do it. So I thought I'd walk through our a current collection that we're actually working on right now. And you could think about, we take this same approach to large clients. So Here's our Anthem branding collection. So first we just start by defining what are the goals. So we want to create product that's going to inspire a client to create a theme. One of the things I talk about when I meet with any client is I say, if you took every item that you've produced this quarter, this year, and you put it on a table, would it tell a story? Could I see what the story is of the marketing message and you know, what you're trying to achieve as a company? Or is it sort of an afterthought, somebody needed to spend some budget dollars on tchotchkes? And is it a, sort of a mess and it's really not authentic, doesn't complete a story. With our goal, it's let's create a theme and a, to, to tell that story of how you create a concept that, that tells that story. So, and is it consistent? So we create a mood board, which I'll get through, to tell the story so everything makes sense. And then we want to ultimately demonstrate how our client could do the same thing with our help. And it's got to appeal to the right target audience. So who's our target audience? It's directors of marketing, it's company founders, might be our current clients, whether that's in action sports or craft beer or maybe an ad agency. A lot of times we go for industry content creators and local influencers. We define the audience. It's all about the details. 
The details is, that's everything, as, as you've been hearing all, all throughout the conference. So we're all about the design details. It's got to be modern. It's got to be quality. So then we create the design mood, and we create a mood board. And we, put, we have a big room like this, and it all goes up on the wall. And so every collection, we create a new theme. So what is it, what is it inspired by? So we, we always use this design thinking by Charles Eames. So that's something we're going to use in this particular one. What are the layouts of the graphics? What's the texture of, and so it's tactile, and what's going to feel nice? It's got to be casual and approachable. It can't be too, um, too design heavy. It can't be too rigid. It's got to be something that people can understand. And then it's got to have some sort of interest when you're actually engaging with it. So for the design content, again, we, we love this Charles Eames sort of thinking. So design is an expression of purpose. The details aren't the details. The details make the product. So we're going to use some statements like our Eventually Everything Connects. And then we create a color story for the collection. So this happens to be a bright, some bright colors, some muted tones, and you'll see that play out throughout. And then we talk about, well, how are we going to, we always change our logo for different collections because we have name recognition. We don't do, and we like to showcase a new way of thinking every time. So here's a, a unique hand-drawn logo, and here's the inspiration that it comes from. Pocket tees are very popular. How are we going to make it different with color blocking? So we take ideas from like a super dry and different influencers. And what is the design content? So we start talking about what that's going to look like. Then we, athleisure is very popular. So we start talking about, okay, let's introduce an athleisure piece, but let's make it more of a t-shirt graphic. And what does that design content look like? And how are we going to finish it with some details like a woven label, the interior neck print of a pop of color. Raglan's very popular as you got in your gift bag. Again, design content, what is it going to look like? So this is just our mood board, our thinking. Flowy tank that's a, a performance fabric for women. Really nice crew neck, heavyweight with tackle twill and, and an applique. So that's, that's sort of an inspiration for this fall collection. Again, athleisure with leggings. We get inspiration from a super dry rubber labels. So we take, we take inspiration from everywhere. We live in Colorado, so it's already snowing this week. Um, in the mountains, so thinking about beanies and how that's going to translate some of the stuff we're going to do from a bag perspective onto to a beanie. And we're thinking about not only what can we custom make, but what are things in the industry that we can get that are easy, because not every client we work with is going to only do custom-made product. Some, sometimes they need a coffee mug, they need a bag, and it's got to be executed in three to ten days. So we're thinking about that. Then we're drawing inspiration. We do a lot of custom headwear. So inspiration, what's trending right now? Grandpa hat, dad hat, the five-panel Euro camper. So we're thinking about things like that and, and materials like poplin and different sort of performance fabrics. And then what does that translate as far as a bag? We do a lot of bag collections as well. Socks are obviously very popular. How are we going to translate some of the pattern that we're working on? So this is sort of the thinking. And then pin, pin sets are trending right now. So we, we're going to add a pin, pin collection as well. And it's a great way to just be kitschy and fun with some of the sayings. So we drew some inspiration here, and we're talking about like design nerd, brand goals, brand ambassadors, thinking of ideas of how we would translate the pin set. Um, and then the Yeti style mugs, obviously very popular, so adding in those everyday use items in a unique way. Boulder's a big, we do a lot in the action sports world, big outdoor fitness community, so we want to we want, and we engage with a lot of those types of clients, so we want a squeeze bottle that, that you can use when, when being active. Org Audio is a great way, I mean, such an easy um, win for the amount of real estate on these things to, to decorate and be fun with the design. And then we do, we do a notebook. I mean, that's one of those staple products we feel everybody should have. You should have a kick-ass t-shirt, a great hoodie, 
a great bag, a great notebook, and a great like, water bottle or coffee mug because everybody uses that on a daily basis. And then it's all about the extras. What's the interior print? How, is that, how do we inform the interior print design? What about hang tags? What about rubber bands? We roll all, our, all of our t-shirts in, into a rubber band, adding woven labels. So we're always looking at sort of new ways to do that. And then what's the, what's the imagery going to look like? Social media is huge for us. Our blog is big for us. How we present sort of our case studies and when we're engaging with clients. So what is the photography going to look like? And that's always changing. So how do we translate all that into the, the current collection? So we talked about pocket tees. So we're we're keeping a consistent pattern throughout the designs that you'll start recognizing, color blocking with the color story that we, we presented earlier. The raglan, having the, the print go past the neckline there so it's, it bleeds. A nice woven patch. Then we get into athleisure pieces like these tech tees and how it's going to be packaged inside when it's nicely folded. What are the hang tags going to look like? What is that messaging and how is that going to translate? Same thing with socks. How is that going to translate to a craft paper instead of a plastic cellophane bag? And then our headwear, all of the surprise and delight touches, even down to how we're going to deboss the interior button. So all of those touches we think about because those are the surprise and delight touches that when a client's engaging with it, oh, it's those extra touch points that you really have the opportunity to to surprise and delight. Here's how we translated our beanie for the collection. And then taking something as simple as an ETS mug, but repackaging it. So we're, we're not just taking their white gift box. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you can think about not creating a custom box, but you can take their white craft box and put a nice label on it and just those extra nice thoughtful touches. Here's how we're translating the water bottle, the custom bags. And this is one where we struggled with, well, why don't we do this offshore and make it custom and add an interior lining to it? And we decided because we have a lot of bags like that, to do just an easily produced, locally printed bag. That way, a client can see that and know they can have that in three days. It doesn't all have to be custom. Our notebooks, very popular work. Chameleon-like is a big partner. We're always doing our custom, custom tipping pages and our task lists on one side, grids on the other. Here's how we translated our, our pin set. So that's our Anthem collection. Now, how do we translate that for an actual client? And so on this next case study, what I thought I would do is just kind of eliminate all of the step-by-step the -step and just kind of show you kind of a modified version. But La Colombe's a pretty cool coffee company, and we, we have, a, we have a 2,200 clients in all industries, very forward-thinking. A lot of them find us, and so we get to work with pretty unique brands. This is a really interesting coffee company out of Philly, making a national push into the marketplace with a draft latte. So you'll start seeing it in Whole Foods. But they've got this great dove. La Colombe means dove in French. They came to us and said, okay, we're moving from Philadelphia to the West Coast, and we need to kind of change our look because everything in Philly is just black, sleek, kind of void of color. How do we, we kind of want to go with this, this rebel, California rebel vibe. So how do we translate that? So we came up with a smooth board, and again, I kind of pared this down a little bit, but just to kind of get a feel for what this mood board should look like and what types of items should be involved, whether it's a camper mug for the West Coast, the patches, maybe we laser etch an ETS mug instead of just printing it. What do notebooks look like? What do socks translate? And how do we translate what makes their brand special onto some unique items? So we're going to custom make all of this product. So how do we translate the, the Dove and sort of their mood board and their brand guidelines into this California Rebel Cool collection? 
So we came up with a zip hoodie idea with a lot of uh, suede appliques, interior labeling, nice hits of color that are sewn down in color there. The five panel Euro camper style with the red rope, we debossed the back buckle, sort of all those surprise and delight touches. Leather debossed. Beanie, same thing. You can, we custom knit this. You can find a beanie similar to this and add a woven label to it. We did a suede label that's laser etched. And then we created this custom backpack sort of inspired by Herschel. So these are the things where we think about where, where do we draw our inspiration? Well, it depends on the client. So this is a pretty forward thinking client. They're going for kind of a hipster audience. What's translating them? A lot of them are carrying Herschel style bags. But we also have a constraint of, well, we can't sell a $120 backpack. We need to be able to sell this backpack for 60 bucks. So we know we've got to sort of land this bag around 30 bucks and we're making 120 of these. So we're digitally printing everything, translating sort of all of the, that, what makes this brand special and just these surprise and delight touches with step and repeat patterns off the, you know, uh, the dove going off the pocket there, the zipper pulls with leather hang tags. So we're translating that. Other hipster easy wins for us are bandanas, full, fully printed. We wash them, make them really soft so you get that engagement where they're really soft. The athletic sock with the dove and then patches, again, patches and pin sets are easy wins at the counter, point of sale. Here the, here's the pin collection. And then they, they also tasked us with, they've got a lot of brand ambassadors giving product out. So they're at things like South by Southwest, music festivals here in they go to Coachella, and how are they giving these draft lattes out that are meant to be cool? So we custom made koozies that are just color blocked in their logo, and then the Zippo lighter is, translate that, translates that California cool in the notebooks. So that's how we translate a La Cologne. Then we have a lot of clients, because we're also a branding agency, we have a lot of clients that come to us and say, all right, we need to create a brand. So we take that same design thinking and we approach it from a standpoint of, okay, uh, let's design your identity, your, and I'll kind of run through this, and all the way through a tactile item. So Telluride Juice Company is a woman got in touch with us. She moved from LA to Telluride, noticed there wasn't a juice bar in town. Juice culture is huge in LA. A lot of wealthy tourists come from California into Telluride. She saw an opportunity to create a space, came to us and said, I need to create a brand. Can you help us? So we came up with we use this, this same thinking, and you can apply a lot of this thinking to things you work on. So what's the story she's trying to tell? Well, she's inspired by the best juice bars in LA, New York, Hawaii. She wants to offer curated cold press juices using her unique ingredients. It's gonna be the first of its kind in Telluride because there hasn't been anything like it. All they're gonna do is juice, and it's farm to bottle is sort of her theme. So what are the characteristics? Obviously, you're dealing with healthy people, outdoor active lifestyle, they want it to be very approachable. Sometimes these juice bars, as you know, can be a little intimidating. Trendy, they want it to be you know, youthful. Who's the target audience? So this is where we start defining personas. But here we define who the Telluride local is and that's gonna be coming in and then who's the audience that's gonna maybe be visiting. They're obviously active, they're healthy, typically 25 to 40, visiting Telluride at altitude, wanna take care of themselves, probably had a late night with friends want to kind of reset for the day to, to get out and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle. 
So then we say, what does the landscape look like within Telluride? What other companies are out there, not just in the juice space? What, are the, what does the brewery look like? What do some of the restaurants look like? What do some of the retail stores and the grocery stores look like? And what's the vibe of Telluride? And then what are the juice brands that resonated with her from, you know, Pressery and Suja that you see in Whole Foods to Kawaii Juice Company, which is in Hanalei, and, and Wonder, which is a Boulder-based juice bar. And what, is, what does that landscape look like and how does she play and where's the white space? So then we came up with this sort of clean and contemporary look and feel, gave her a few options of a modern aesthetic, and then how does that translate to the actual packaging? And so here's how we interpreted three ways she can interpret doing her bottles and some of the ancillary marks that we could, you know, the, the juice and the mountainscape, the tea. Um, so we played with how we could translate that ethos onto the bottle. So we gave her three options on that with a color story. So here, here are the three. Really wanted that clean, modern aesthetic. And then we said, okay, well, how does that translate to the interior design? And so you can complete this experience. So we took images of the space that she's moving into. We made recommendations on what the sign should look like. And then how did that translate into some of the apparel that you're going to engage with? She also happened to, she had a pretty big space, so she's going to share it with a yoga studio. So we wanted to have sort of that active fitness lifestyle piece. So we translated a couple of, it's hard to tell in this light, but these are all patterned. Um, the, the, the woman's tank top there has a, a really cool pattern to it. it, it would, that would all be sublimated. And then that pattern gets translated to the custom headwear. The hoodie's pretty basic, heather gray. You could, we could custom knit this, or you could use an alternative or um, a Sanmar product or uh, one of the other brands, and then with a woven label and a screen print. We love custom headwear just because of all the surprise and delight touches we can do on the interior taping. And that's how we translated sort of that experience for her, and all with sort of let's walk before we run, and we'll do minimums of 120 to get started. And these are all things we've sort of sussed out before we go down the rabbit hole with designing all of these things. And we set budgets ahead of time. And all of that is done before we do any work to make sure we're all on the same page on that. So this last case study, craft beer company found us, same kind of idea. We need your help rebranding and then translating. They found us because of all the work we'd done in the craft beer space. They really enjoyed sort of those unique ways we translated brands look and feel on the product. And so they, they tasked us with a new brand strategy. Uh, so we took the same approach. Who are we talking to? They're celebrating the third anniversary. They were inspired by a trip to a brewery in Colorado. They happen to be in Illinois. Um, they're the first of their kind for this tasting room and they rotate taps. They wanted this hip, cool, trendy, fun. And then we, again, we talked about who are the personas and who's the audience we're gonna speak to, what's gonna be important to them. And all of that informs the product. And that's really the takeaway is not that you have to go this deep on the creative, because I know in this, most, of the, most of the industry has maybe one designer or no designers, and they're relying on the suppliers to do a lot of the, the design. And I, I realize we take a unique approach because we don't have suppliers do any of the artwork. We supply all of the artwork to them that we work with. But you can, the takeaway from my, my perspective is you can, you can kind of do your own mood, board, mood boarding and add value. I mean, that's the key, right? Traditionally in the industry, if you're all sort of selling from the same reservoir of items and, and the same goods, you have to out-compete people on price or service. And if you can come up with unique ideas and curate the right things, 
that's going to set you apart. So really understanding who the audience is, who the, taste, uh, the key stakeholders are, is really important. So again, what does that competitive landscape look like? Who is this target audience that they're going after? Who are they used to sort of engaging with, and what does that look like, and how can we set them apart so they don't look like everybody else? And I think that's a really key differentiator, too, is you don't want to just say, oh, I love what, you know, Nixon's doing on the hat, I'm gonna do the exact same logo, just change it to be my own. Clearly you don't wanna do that, you wanna be unique. And then what are the lifestyle brands of uh, other, other breweries, what does that look like from a national landscape perspective that they made these people look up to as the it companies in the industry? And then how do we translate that? So with Plank Road, we came up with a few new looks for them with this sort of playful, approachable, Look, we came up with a, their color scheme, different ways to create a mark and a secondary logo, playing again with a few options, translating that then into their environment. What's that going to look like in the space? How's that going to translate to their signage, their tap handles, their user experience on their website, you know, having a, having a website that works on any medium? And then again, how does that translate onto product? So things like a felt applique sewn down, nice woven label on the back, obviously the raglan's trending for sure. Women's tees, printing the inside, maybe it's, it's a tank, but it's a different approach. And then on not just offering hoodies, we do a lot of custom hoodies, designing something that's unique and really special for that brand that people look at. And one of the, things, one of the approaches we take is if I walk into a, to a company and I say, Hey, I want to, who does your promo? I'd like to do that for you and help. They're like, got a guy, got a girl, can't, can't be bothered because they get calls every day. Well, hey, we love that person you have that delivers all the basic promo stuff. They're great. They're like, especially in, in the craft beer market, we get a lot of people that are like, got a guy, he's awesome, he's our screen printer down the street. He comes by every Friday, drops a box of T-shirts, has a beer at the end of the bar, super cheap, and you know, we, we're a big part of his business. And we're like, listen, we love that guy. We can't compete on that stuff, keep that guy. But what are you doing for your most rabid fans that they're going to get really excited about, that they're going to live the experience and live the brand? And so that's where we say, why don't we fill the gaps and showcase and share things that are going to be really special to them. So then we're custom making hoodies. We can custom make a hoodie for 120 pieces with all of these touches. And that way they can sell this thing for, you know, if this, if this to them is, you know, like 45 bucks, 30 to 45 bucks, they're selling this thing for 60 to $85 and they're paying, they're getting their most rabid fans to pay for it because it's so unique and they love the brand. So that's really our approach. And then that starts this, the ball rolling with, oh, okay, let's supplement and let's really build a program as an alternative revenue stream. A lot of people think about this stuff as an afterthought and not as a way to really make some money. Headwear, same thing. We, we love putting all the, of the touches on the inside too where you can really get loud and tell a story and we can, whether we sublimate it or screen print it, it can be very mellow on the outside and a little loud on the inside. So last case study, I forgot I had one more. This is more, so the others were more lifestyle brand related. Exclusive Resorts, for, for those of you that don't know, this is kind of a corporate approach. Exclusive Resorts is a membership vacation experience. So the membership can cost thirty dollars to $100,000. You're dealing with very wealthy people that join these places, and then they have access to the nicest residences around the world. 
for a few weeks at a time every year. They also have an experience trip section. So, you know, these are pretty privileged people. They're used to really high-end experiences. So the challenge was how do we come up with product for a client that has a really discerning taste, has seen it, done it all, but you want to surprise and delight, delight them if, depending on where they're going. So we created this curated collection based on where are they going. So instead of sending them a catalog and saying, what do you want, or here's 20 things to consider because you gave us a price point, we really curated a collection for them and said, okay, well, if you're going to the beach, so we created the Cabo collection where they have luxury residence, what does that look like if you're going to the beach? Every room should have a great tote bag. You got to stay hydrated, beach towel, get a surf shirt that's UV rated for the kids, yoga, yoga mat. So you're having this opportunity to really engage and enjoy and your, your beach time. But also they get there and they're just, you know, maybe they're frazzled from traveling, although not if they were on a private jet. <laughs> <laughs> But they, they get there and they're like, man, they thought of everything. And it's just such a great experience for them. And then we created this, the New York City collection. So obviously this can translate to any city. But it's things like a, a nice backpack that's custom made with leather patch, a, a great umbrella that's high quality, a nice tote bag, a little notebook that has tipping pages with some things to do, the best restaurant recommendations. You can basically have a little mini concierge thing happen in there. Bluetooth speaker that they can take with them. You would just have kind of out in the space. And then they, they do a, a big mountain collection, too. So we came up with this idea of you know, a nice neck warmer, a beanie, a puffy, uh, some highballs for if you're having a cocktail after apres ski, uh, a nice mug for winter. And then obviously a lot of these people get out and get active, so we're doing a custom hydration pack. So these are just things that we come up with to just, and this was before we even came, we ended up translating a lot of this stuff and producing a lot of this stuff. But this was really to sell the, the program. So for us, we went in there and we thought differently rather than, hey, what do you need? We can slap your logo on anything. We said, here's how we're going to think about your brand. And we sat down with them and said, this is how we envision it and how we think about a collection. And that really won them over because that was the first time they had really thought about tying it in and thinking about it as a collection, which kind of goes back to the original point of us creating our own collection every quarter. It's a way to translate how you should be thinking about every brand. They have this journey thing. This is the last slide for them. But their whole experience is not only do they have these luxury residences, but then they'll take you to, on safari. They'll take you to Bhutan. They'll take you to all over Africa, to the Galapagos and that sort of thing. So that was really travel inspired. So you need chargers. You need adapters, high-end raincoats and, and outerwear, nice leather passport wallets. Again, we, tr we showed how you could translate the bag from the city to the, to the journey and the notebook and capturing it all. So, and then obviously then you've got promo, right? You've got team ex incentives for taking care of you know, their salespeople and what's going to be unique for them and how are you going to build that excitement to take care of the talent. So that's thinking about you know, everything from all the daily use stuff. And that's really important too. I think not everything has to be so custom and unique. Sometimes you just need, everybody here's got a water bottle. Everybody here's got a backpack. Everybody here's got a notebook. But making it unique and those surprise and delight touches, I think, are really, really important. I kind of wanted to now have a dialogue about our approach and the way we think about things. And who has questions? How can I help? Yes. Um, your creative process, what, what is the time frame that you spend with each of these clients? No. Front, 
you know, the ideation. Right. So the, the question was, how much time? And every client's unique and different. I think it depends on their budget, right? So if, if a client comes to us and they have a $10,000 budget, we're not going to go through this exercise with them. If the client has you know, a twenty-five dollars to $50,000 budget and there's an identity involved and a naming involved, like there's a lot of time where we may spend anywhere from 25 to 100 hours as a team working with, with these clients. So it really depends on the scope of work and the project. And I think that's, that's an important point from a standpoint of every client and every product and every client engagement is unique and you really have to understand the approach and you can't take the one size fits all approach to, to every client. And sometimes all of this design thinking that we've, we do gets done in 10 minutes. We just go through an abbreviated version asking those sort of 3D why questions I mentioned earlier where we need to do that really quickly and efficiently because we can, one of the things as we've grown and gone through this is we've certainly over-serviced plenty of clients where we've just spent tons of time. And one of the things that, that's a challenge for us is on the creative side of the business, we can bill hourly. So we can set a scope of work and we can say it's going to be X amount per hour. Although most people don't love the hourly approach because it can tend to be inefficient. They like more of a fixed fee. But we can, we can sort of manage that based on a scope of work and really defining here's what you get instead of being sort of, yeah, we'll just take care of you and, and making it really loose because then you get scope creep, right? So we're really defining here's what you get for this scope of work and then we're letting them know, hey, this is more than you've, we're now getting past the scope. Let's really kind of talk about how we're going to do this. And then, but on the product side, if it's really product heavy, we've got to do all of that thinking ahead of time. And we internally as a team have to decide how many hours is it going to take us to do that custom hoodie or that collection. And then we have to build that into our cost. And then if we go over and scope creep, we can't go back to the client and be like, you know that hoodie that was going to be 30 bucks? Oh, now it's 55. You can't do that. So that's where it's really challenging for us to kind of always honing in. And that's where the experience comes in. And as you guys all know, this is a, it's probably, we always say it's a two-year learning curve to be in this industry, to go through every scenario that could potentially happen. And even, I've been doing this since I was 19 years old. This is my 25th year doing this. And there's stuff that comes up once or twice a year, an hour. I'm like, man, didn't see that coming. Learn that new to every day. Who else? Thanks, uh, and thanks for sharing that bit about exclusive resorts. It really got my mind going. I've got a client just like that up in Whistler. A bunch of properties under management. Some of them are like $1,600, $2,000 a night. Some of them are like $3,000. And I let go of an opportunity, but after seeing that, I'm going to go back to them. Can, you, can they use that as a profit center? Put product, the properties for people to experience? Well, I would, so the question was, can they, like the, on the exclusive resorts example, can they use some of that product as a profit center? Depends on their goals, right? I think they charge, in exclusive resorts case, they charge so much for, that it's just built into their marketing budget, um, as, and, and they kind of put it in their membership budgets too. But for all of you that are here at the Ace Hotel, I think they do a pretty good job with kind of curated, every Ace that I've been to takes a unique what's local and kind of hip and trending, and they kind of do this boutique collection, and they're certainly making 50%, 50 points on that for sure um, and curating the right stuff. So I, I think absolutely everybody can make it a profit center. It's all in how you're going to market it. 
so a question about your competition. Um, and it's a sort of a broader question um, in terms of what's happening in the industry. So you guys are using design as the sort of cornerstone of your approach to the market. Um, who out there is doing what you're doing? Do you see a trend where companies, distributors, suppliers, anyone is really starting to focus more on design? Do you see more competition there? Are you really on an island? It's impressive. Thank you. Um, the question was, do we see much competition in our approach? No. I mean, design, this approach is, it, one of the things is, this obviously didn't happen in a day. I've been doing this a long time. One of the things I realized, and I kind of talked about this in SKUCon, was I couldn't find, you know, I was really passionate about the outdoor and action sports industries. And when I would go to a Burton, a K2, somebody like that, or an, even an MTV in the entertainment space, and I would suggest, hey, I want to work with you guys, and hey, we have someone, it's fine. And then you start, they'd say, you'd give them, they'd give you a shot, and then you realize, wow, I'm giving them the same stuff that's out there because everybody has it, and we all have access to the same stuff. How can we be different? I had to go outside the industry to look at what's trending that's going to resonate with that particular audience, and whether it's, I can't just give them a hoodie that's screen printed. I've got it, what, how can I make it special? I need to custom make it, so I need to go outside the industry. I need to go to Asia to figure this out so we can really build it from scratch because that's what's going to set us apart. So we started slowly doing that, and then what we realized is we're like, wait a minute, we're onto something because as we got more designers, we realized primarily like 99% of the industry uses the suppliers to do the design. And one of the challenges for us is the design is always free. So it's really... We're dealing with clients where we have to educate them. I'm like, no, no, you know how you, you work with an ad agency and you pay them a creative service? This is the same thing. You need to pay us for service. They're like, yeah, but we don't pay for design. So that's a really challenging conversation to be able to translate. Well, you don't get this. You might get a logo slapped on something. So we've really found that we are really unique because you can't fake creative. It's really hard to do this stuff without a really good team. And we've hired a great team. We have an amazing creative director who's built a fantastic team that kind of fills every need. So we've got product designers, industrial designers, incredible illustrators, people that really have a, a unique niche in each, each sort of space we play. But yeah, that's what's made it really fun. But with that said, I think the question Bobby asked me was, do you ever do like just basic promo stuff? I'm like, I love basic promo orders. And someone who gives us 10,000 mugs all day, it's just a slam dunk, it's easy. And it's, because this is, can be brain damage. There's a lot of moving parts to this. But for us, this is the tip of the spear that gets us into the types of accounts that we want to work with. Because we can't hang our, I can't compete with any of you on price. We're too expensive. We have a lot of overhead. We've got a great building. We've got 14 designers. If they want 100 ETS mugs and they call 10 people, I'm out. I can't do it because we just can't, we're too expensive. But I can offer all of these other things. That's where we say we can fill the gaps. But then that kind of leads to, wow, it's such a great experience. Can you just handle this other stuff for us and just give us a fair price? And then we can play if we're doing these bigger projects. So yeah, we're pretty unique in that way. Do you mind sharing how much of your revenue is from the graphic services versus your products? Services? Yeah, 10%. So it's really not that big. And that's the other thing that's interesting is there, especially in Boulder, Boulder's, when Crispin Porter Bogowski moved to Boulder from Miami, it put Boulder on the map from a creative agency standpoint. And out of Crispin probably spawned 30 design shops. And so 
one of the things we realized, we're like, oh, we need to get into more graphic design and just be graphic design and build more of an agency and not just be thought of as the promo guys. So we spent a lot of time doing that. But then what we realized is like, there are a lot of kick-ass designers out there and there's so much available now online to just to be inspired by and the way you can work with anybody online. You don't need to necessarily meet face-to-face -face anymore. So what we realized was like, we can't just compete on the design stuff only. It sets us apart and it's, it's fun and we love, what we've really focused on now is we've shifted from being sort of a graph, like we can do any graphic design too. Let's really focus on a tangible tactile item. So consumer product packaging has been big for us and we're really good at that. So we've really focused on that. And, and a lot of wine, beer and spirits because they need a lot of design. And then that also, we want to work with clients where it translates to product too and that have that whole experience. So we certainly have these one-off projects, but really our bread is buttered on the product because we have 600 active projects every given moment. There's just, it's, what I love about product versus creative, the creative can take at the fastest a month to six months, depending on how responsive people are when you're building things like this. But on the product, I mean, you can deliver something in three days or custom in, you know, 90 so that's, I love the just transacting, delivering, they're excited, and then we move on to the next thing. That's just, that just fits my personality type. So Ted, we all operate on the same time money continuum, and if someone like Telluride Juice Company or Plank Road Brewery came to me and said, you know, I've got this small startup thing, I've got this thing going, chances are I'd probably walk away from that, um, especially if I knew it was going to be 120 hoodies or as you described. What was it about those opportunities that attracted you to want to say, I'll take that on, I'll do that, and put in the time that it takes to do yeah, I think that's a good question. The question was, how do you determine if you take a project on? We'd say no to a ton of people, by the way. I mean, probably 10 calls a week where I'm saying no. We're not the right fit. Some of it's like they have a design budget, and they have an overarching budget that might be, you know, they're willing to spend some money. So in that case, maybe they're willing to spend thirty-five, dollars $40,000 on an overarching program. And we know that that is a good portfolio piece. It's, we can be efficient with that. We can deliver cool product. We can deliver a nice design. So it's really, it's not, we don't, it's not a necessarily a dollar amount. I mean, certainly if somebody has, you know, $1,500 budget, probably not the right fit. But if there's a good opportunity to get in with a company or there's a bigger opportunity or it could be a nice feather in our cap or, you know, there's so many variables of why we would take a, a project on. But yeah, we certainly say no a lot. But there has to be a bigger, we, we want this long-term partnership. That's our approach. We're not transactional. We don't want, just want the PO. We want to add a lot of value, and we want them to come back and keep, keep coming back. And we've had relationships for, I've worked with some of the same companies for 25 years now because I've just grown with them. Yeah, packaging's hard. We, we tend to go outside the industry. We certainly do our own packaging. We bring in from Asia just because we can get a lot more done on it. But that takes a lot of time. I mean, that's, packaging's heavy, so it's 30 days on the water. It it's bulky, so we've got to have it over at one of our fulfillment houses to, to deal with. But packaging is hard. I think we, because we make so much product offshore, and I spent a lot of time in China like creating these relationships, we do... A, a lot of our partners and teams on the ground will get our packaging there versus 
you know, here it's tough when somebody needs 120 pieces and they needed a quick turn, but they want a packaging. That's, I mean, that's a challenge for everybody here. And, you know, there's people outside the industry like Pack Lane. I mean, you pay for it, certainly paying money for it, but they'll do small runs like 10 pieces, all custom. But what's, I think what's tough, if you don't have the design capability in-house, is you are relying on the suppliers to come up with that solution, and sometimes they don't have that capability. And the other thing that, that's challenging, and I, and I realize, is a lot of, you know, we've, we've had the luxury now of building this bigger team, but, you know, we're all moving at a million miles an hour, right? It's like task, task, task. Like no news is good news. There's never a time to enjoy a job well done because you've got 50 things on your plate and no news is good news. And you just like cross the task off your list and then, oh, you're also dealing with a fire. So it's challenging to be able to spend a lot of time on the creative piece. So I would encourage everybody to start with a freelance designer, maybe from a local perspective that can help and then maybe you can bring them in. Any other questions? Mark? I suppose it's more of an observation and, you know, I, I, I say this in that I, I've never been a supplier, but certainly have distributor and service provider perspective. I think that, you know, there's suppliers in this room and also in the industry that get really pissed off when distributors go to Asia and source quote-unquote direct and the supplier will say, well, why can't we go sell direct and there's this... It's, there could be a whole conference on that. And what, what I think is really interesting, the reason you're going offshore is not so you can knock off Brandon's lanyards for a cheaper price, which is what most distributors that are going offshore are doing. And I don't, I, I'm not making a judgment on that, but they'll do it because they'll say, hey, our Fortune 500 company is grinding us. The only way we're going to get this deal is if we go direct to the factory. Mm -hmm. and then we'll upset the local supplier and we'll say, why can't I do the same? You're not doing that. You're, you're not going to source based on a low price, even though I'm sure that's a part of it. You're going based on capability. You're saying, my local supplier can physically not do this, so I need to go and source elsewhere. And I, I find that, um, I don't know if inspiring or if that's like a fresh approach. I'm not sure that I'm necessarily saying that, but I think it's a a really good message for suppliers to understand to say like, hey, if you want Ted's business, he's happy to give you the business, but he's not going to be trying to grind you on price. You just have to deliver a certain level of design capability, quality capability. Otherwise, he has to go elsewhere. Yeah. I think uh, for us, you know, it goes back to we, we couldn't find, I couldn't find the things I wanted to, that I wanted as a consumer in promo that did because I, I remember being at, at trade shows and, and visiting with clients at a trade show when, when American Apparel came out and everybody had their track jacket because it was the only game in town and it's like why is this the only game in town and then we've we even talked about well why don't we get in the supplier game we create some bag lines and apparel lines but we don't know anything about distribution I don't want to get into like where inventory management but, and also I get it like the industry is set up to do volume for like the middle of the road. And the beauty about this industry is like, this is, I'm, I'm happy to share our approach. It's not for everyone. And it's a very niche, unique way of doing it. But there is, there's relationship selling, there's selling on price point there. I mean, there's so many, that's what the beauty of this business. And it, you can, anybody can make it work for their unique way of doing it. For me personally, that was, I was uninspired 
by what was out there. And if we could make anything, how would we think about that? And that's where our approach has sort of really evolved, which is let's be authentic to the brand. How can we make it unique so you're not just looking like everybody else? And we just, Mark, you said it, we couldn't get it in the industry. And we don't do it as a slight to the industry. We just do it because, and, and we take price out of the equation because this, this is not an inexpensive way to go. But our point is, if you spend more money on this stuff and it becomes somebody's favorite piece and they wear it all the time, isn't that a much better return than the same old schlocky thing that goes in the desk? But, but it's not like you're flipping the bird to the industry either. We deal with Oregadio, we deal with ETS, we deal with Pierre Chameleon, great local suppliers that are kicking ass for you because they deliver what you're looking for. You're, you're, you're embracing the industry. I'm just saying the reason you're going offshore is not to go knock off someone's product and make an extra 10 right. points so you can go deal with a bully procurement manager. <laughs> and we have to supplement, right? I mean, some this all of these items you know, that you mentioned, Chameleon and Org, do really cool custom solutions and it's a really cool way and a quick turn and great quality and that's awesome. And it's a great supplement. You saw in a lot of our case studies, we feather that stuff in because not everybody has the time or desire to go offshore either. And, you know, sometimes when you say, oh, it's going to be, you know, on the fastest 35, 40 days, they're like, oh, really? Can you do it faster? We're like, here's why you're going to want to wait. And then we, part of the other reason why we do our own line is we send a care package out that's probably worth 250 bucks in a kick-ass box that you can see on our website that you open that thing up and the whole experience is awesome from the outer packaging to the box when you open it up you're like okay this is what i want for my brand can you rewind back to when you first started anthem half a million million two million three million dollar company trying to accomplish this on a gorilla type budget with some of the things you did to yeah, so we started, how did we start and scale? So we started, it was me and my art studio out of my garage with a creative, like a, a designer and a, I had a part-time bookkeeper. And, you know, remember I, I left an old company and I had relationships for 13 years, hit the ground running with Anthem. And then we hired a, one designer, led to another designer, brought in a production person, business partner who also was selling another account person to like, and we basically both got account assistants at that point who then became account managers and then became senior account managers because they kind of grew within. Our designer needed another designer. Then we needed another designer and we just slowly sort of ramped it up based on the volume of work we were doing. So we just methodically added to the mix and now we've really focused and as, as we've grown, we've really focused on how do we scale so we can literally double our revenue without adding much headcount. Like our team can, can handle the volume. Our system and our actual uh, cloud-based system we use can handle that scale. So we've been really methodical about those things and gone a little bit outside of the industry on that too, where I asked ad agencies, what programs are you using that have everything built in from accounting to tasks to timing, you know, timers, like all of those things. So... Um, and then tools like Slack, cloud-based, you know, everything now being on the cloud is so much easier than when I got started at 19 and I would run around to a designer to get RubyLith to take it to the screen printer to then go deliver the shirts. I mean, it was brain damage back then. It's tons of fun, but I'm out of time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. 
Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.